This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. And I'm Mon Galash and I'm here with Lyle Southwell and this is a breakfast show with Lyle and Mon. You are listening to Faith FM. Welcome back. It's time for our encounter with God. Before we hit that up, I'm going to give you another clue for our quiz, our breakfast Bible quiz. It's the second one we've had today. Our first one got snapped up by Gary. Good on you, Gary. Uh, but this one that we're working on at the moment is a Who Am I quiz. And the third clue is this. Oh, hang on. Is this the right one? Oh, yeah, I've got the right card. It's fine. Okay, third clue. Oh, panicked myself there for a second. Thought I was going to mash my... Can you imagine if I picked up two different cards and like was giving out clues for two separate answers? Oh, I would be in trouble. Okay, third clue. My sister Rebecca told Jacob to flee to my home in Haran so Esau wouldn't kill him. My sister Rebecca told Jacob to flee to my home in Haran so Esau wouldn't kill him. Give me a call if you think you know who that is. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number, 1-800-324-843. You can text 0491064669. If you get the right answer, I'm going to send you a copy of The Breakfast Book by Sue Rad. It's a huge, um, it's such an informative and delicious uh, cookbook, nutrition information book, all kinds of stuff all in one, rolled into one, one big commodity. Uh, so get yourself a copy of The Breakfast Book by Sue Rad. And um, and give us a call. Tell us the right answer there. Who am I? My sister Rebecca told Jacob to flee to my home in Haran so Esau wouldn't kill him. Okay, so getting on to our Bible study for the day, our 20 million movement Bible study. All people studying the uh, 20 million people studying the same passage of the Bible around the world. We are looking at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, and today is all about. Something that will fascinate you, enthrall you, and just be amazing. I don't know, Lyle. Yesterday you said we were going to talk about Ezra and Nehemiah. I don't remember we ever actually turned to Ezra or Nehemiah. That's right. We were getting historical background as to... Okay, so the Ezra and Nehemiah were both um, uh, prophets who were involved in the return of the exiles from Babylon. Okay. We were getting some historical background about the return of the exiles and how Jeremiah had prophesied that the exiles would be in captivity for 70 years. Now, of course, not all of them were in captivity that long. Some of the exiles were only in captivity for 40 years. Daniel was in captivity for 70 years because he went with the first group of exiles and he recognized when the time of the prophecy of Jeremiah was coming to an end, and the Bible talks about his prayer and how he prayed three times a day with his window open towards Jerusalem for uh, the return of the exiles to Jerusalem. And as a result of the answer to his prayer, there was a group that went back. And we find that how when he prayed, of course, Gabriel came down to work on the hearts and the minds of the uh, Persian rulers at that particular time. And Gabriel, the most powerful angel in heaven, was not succeeding. And so after 21 days, the Bible says that Jesus himself, God himself, left the courts of heaven, came down to this earth to work on the mind of Cyrus to inspire Cyrus to let God's people come back to the promised land. But we need to understand all of the various Persian kings that are involved. We're going to study a genealogy today. Okay. Genealogies. I started, <coughs> did a bit of work for uh, my niece. My niece recently contacted me and wanted to know about uh, her grandmother's side of the family. Mm-hmm. 
she doesn't really know a whole lot about that side of the family. She knew that I knew some of the family members on that side, so she contacted me and wanted me to uh, fill in all the blanks for her, and I suddenly realized I had a whole bunch of blanks on my mother's side of the family. And so last night, I stayed up late working on my family genealogy. Oh, how'd you go? Well, I've come up with uh, 33, I think, cousins so far. What? Uh, on that side of the family. Three cousins. And I suspect that there is somewhere between 10 and 20 I haven't found yet. Okay, wow. So I'm waiting to hear back from one of my cousins um, who knows one of the one of the lines of the family mm-hmm. um, better than what I do. Uh, but I found her on Facebook and sent her a message last night. She accepted my friend request, but has not yet replied to my message. So we'll see what happens. Wow, there you go. Yeah, interesting finding family members. So can I just ask, before we jump into this genealogy, Daniel was in captivity for seven years. Did he die in captivity? He did. He never came back. He was, you know, he was, by the time this all all happens, you know, he's he's pushing 90. Yeah. Getting a bit old. So he was sort of like the elder statesman who, um, you know, stands at the city gates in, in my imagination and wishes them all well as they, or sits at the city gates while they march past, you know. Hmm. That's the kind of image I get of Daniel at this particular point in history. But he has served his people well. He has been Prime Minister of two empires, both the Babylonian and the Persian Empire, uh, which is not a bad effort for a captive Jew uh, living in a foreign country. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a remarkable, truly remarkable record of what he was able to accomplish. And, of course, a few years back I had the privilege of uh, being in Iran, which, of course, is Persia, and visiting Daniel's tomb. Um, you can go it's there. Still to the, there? Yeah, it's still there. Wow. Um, whether, how, how authentic it is, we don't know, but there's some fairly solid arguments towards its authenticity. I think the current structure dates back to about uh, 1400 AD, thereabouts. So, mm. yeah, who knows? Wow. But uh, if not, you know, we were definitely in the area where um, he passed away and was buried, with, you know, in the region. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's go to Ezra chapter 4, verse 1 to 7. Ezra chapter 4, and we're going to try and Untangle. While I was traveling through, it was an interesting ex- exercise because while I was traveling through Iran, uh, we kept coming across, well, this is the tomb of this king and that's the tomb of this, that other king and, 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 and this place was built by this king. And I'm like, I know all of these kings from the Bible, but I'd never actually stopped to sit down and figure them all out and to get an understanding of where they fitted in. And so I did a genealogy while I was there in Iran and showed it to our tour guide. She was actually quite fascinated by it because she didn't realize uh, it's actually a genealogy that um, covers all of the Persian history that there is in the Bible. And she had not realized just how much Persian history there is in the Bible. And of course, um, <clears throat> you know, being an, an Islamic person, they don't uh, they don't read the Bible as much as Christians do, and. They don't even read the Quran as much as Christians read the Bible. Um, but she was somebody who was definitely a seeker, someone who was a searcher, and uh, just loved finding out this kind of stuff. Anyway, what do you got for us there, Mon? Uh, Ezra chapter 4. I literally had to turn to the contents page. I feel like such a terrible pathfinder right now. <laughs> this is how often I'm hitting up Ezra. <laughs> this is going to be a good Bible study, Mon. You know yeah. why? 
I think there's a lot of people in the same category as you who very rarely read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. But I have to say that they are some of my favorite books in the Bible. There is some really, really cool stuff happening in these books. I have that Bible somewhere in my head, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. You know, I'm like, okay, that's the... Psalms. Yeah, and it goes on from there. <coughs> so go to Psalms and go backwards. Yep. Psalms, spelt with a P, um, roughly the middle of the Bible, just before the middle of the Bible, and then work backwards from there, and you'll find Ezra and Nehemiah. A um, bit of uh, background as to who they were. Ezra was a scribe. That means that he was literate, which was not something that was common in those days. Um, he was probably somebody who kept records and accounts um, and, you know... So I thought he was a prophet. That too. I say he's a prophet scribe. I yeah. Bet, yeah. Uh, but his, 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 his day job was okay, a scribe. Yeah. Uh, Nehemiah, guess what his day job was? Oh, I know this. His was incredibly important. He was one of the highest officials in the Persian court... He was the cupbearer. Oh, okay. And you might wonder, why would the cupbearer... I was going to say, that doesn't sound that glorious. <laughs> okay, so basically it works like this. Um, the responsibility of the cupbearer was that he was responsible for the king's cup mm-hmm. at all times and in all places. It was never to be out of his sight. It was never to be out of his possession. Um, he would drink from that cup. Anytime the king used it, he would drink from it first. Wow. Uh, and, and this was actually, in ancient times, a very, very honoured position because it was only given to the most trusted people in the empire. You had to have an incredible amount of confidence in this particular person because basically, uh, if you wanted to have government uh, re- regime, regime change in those days, all you had to change was one person. There was always somebody who wanted to change the regime and there was always a plot against the emperor's life. Mm-hmm. And so they lived under constant threat. They were constantly dealing with assassination plots and poison was one of the easiest ways of getting rid of them. Yeah. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so as the cupbearer, it was somewhat limiting on his um, on on his life because you know he did not have liberty even as to who he could allow into his home. Oh, really? Was that oh, dangerous? Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you're the cupbearer, um, there were severe limitations on people who could come into your home because you know someone would possibly try and slip something into the cup, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so. Um. Yeah. This was this was a really, really f- full on uh, position, and you basically you slept with that cup, you lived with that cup. That cup was with you at all times. If you were in the company of um, you know, of 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 people of ill repute, then you could very quickly be executed because You're you know the only thing that kept those ancient emperors alive was paranoia. Mm-hmm. They had to live a paranoid life. And you kind of read the history and you wonder why they were so brutal at times and why they would, you know, they would find a plot and then they would just kill everybody left, right and centre. You know, kill the wife, kill the kids, kill the grandparents, kill the cousins and distant cousins and just wipe out the whole family of one person who was plotting against you. And that is because you kind of had to to stay alive. Yeah. It was 
a little bit of a, uh, um, a, a me or them kind of situation mm-hmm. and you could not afford to – okay, so for one, by killing that many people, you would instill fear into people's hearts, don't go near this guy. Um, and, you know, and at the same time, you would hopefully eliminate any threat from that particular quarter. It's pretty intense. I don't oh, think yeah, the, really intense. The stress must have just been really intense. The stress on a, on a cupbearer was, um, was amazing. He had to be more trustworthy than the prime minister. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, that was Nehemiah. Yeah. A trustworthy gonna, guy. Very trustworthy guy. We're going to come to his story in a little while, but right now we're reading Ezra, and Ezra was a scribe. And so as a result of that, when you read the book of Ezra, you're going to find he loves to give lots of detail. Okay, start for us in chapter 4 and verse 1. The book of Ezra says this, The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, Let us build with you, for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Esarhaddon of Assyria brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, You have... You may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. Then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until King Darius of Persia took the throne. Okay, so there's a bit of a... Uh, let's get deal, deal with a bit of a background here. So Cyrus is the one who gives the command to send the captives home. Now, uh, I think we'll probably cover this a little bit further on in the Bible study, but this was prophesied by Isaiah 150 years before Cyrus did that. Mm -hmm. And there's a fascinating story behind uh, Cyrus. Cyrus, did you know that Cyrus the Great in the Bible is actually a type or a symbol of Jesus Christ? I did know that, but only because Cyrus is like my favorite Bible character. Oh, really? Yeah, so you're going to enjoy this Bible yeah, study then. Yeah, it's, all, it's got so much Cyrus in it. Yeah. Um, and if you talk to uh, Persian people or people from Iran about Cyrus, um, you'll see instant national pride. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Shirasor, so the, their pronunciation is a little different from ours, but you can go to Cyrus's tomb and that's an actual authentic location um, there in Iran. I've been, been there. And uh, yet he was probably the greatest empire emperor of ancient times. Um, his statesmanship, along with his generalship, he was he was the complete package. And he wasn't. He, he combined all those things together. He had ultimate power, and he never became a despot. Yeah. He is a truly, truly remarkable person. He truly believed in, in, in you know, the principles of separation of church and state and religious liberty that we live with in our modern world today. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and you know, as a result of that, you've got the uh, the rebuilding of that uh, um, temple. But you know, the Bible calls Cyrus. It calls him uh, the shepherd. It calls him the Messiah. You know, it, these are uh, the deliverer. These are titles that belong to Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we have uh, Cyrus the Great here. When he died, he actually died in battle, um, and it's believed that he was fighting against a chieftain S. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he died. But he died in battle in around about 530 B.C. And when he died, there was a um, his his son Cambyses the second was abroad, and um, down in Egypt. And it is believed that he died down there in mysterious circumstances. We do not know the circumstances to that. And there was another guy who was his doppelganger by the name of Smyrdas. Smyrdas. Smyrdas was Cambyses the second's doppelganger. Such a cool name. <laughs> yes. Um, and so he actually sat on the throne for about nine months and pretended he was Cambyses. Oh, that's right, until Cambyses got back. No, Cambyses, until they found out that that wasn't Cambyses. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think of a different story then. Yeah, because uh, Cambyses died abroad. Anyway, so Smyrdas, you know, he, he's the imposter. He, uh, he rules there for uh, a while. And so now they've got a problem. Who's going to take the throne because um, Cyrus's descendants have died and an imposter has tried to sit on the throne? But Cyrus had a father by the name of Cambyses the first. So you had Cambyses the second, who was Cyrus's son. Um, Cambyses the first was Cyrus's father. Mm-hmm. Cambyses the first had a relative by the name of Darius. We think it was possibly or probably a cousin. And you'll notice that uh, this is where Darius comes in. And uh, we mentioned there Darius the Great. So the Darius that is mentioned here is not the Darius that you find in the book of Daniel in uh, Daniel chapter uh, 6 and 9. So there's two Dariuses. I didn't know that. Okay, so that the Darius that you find in the book of Daniel, Dari- uh, uh, Daniel and the Lions and then Darius, that one? That one is uh, Darius the Mede, so he's not a Persian, he's a Mede, and he is the brother of Cyrus's mother. But they're both good guys, right? So Cyrus, his mother was a Mede, his father was a, father was a Persian. They're both good guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah both the Dariuses are, uh, are, are good guys. And, of course, the one that uh, we have mentioned here is not the same guy as Daniel in the lion's den. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is known in history as Darius the Great. Okay. So you have Cyrus the Great, you have Darius the Great, and you had to be pretty great to... Be called um, great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what verse did we get up to? Uh, we got up to verse 6. All right, so we're going through some history this morning. I hope you're enjoying history. Love it. Read for us verse 7. Oh, do you want me to read 6 and 7? We haven't read 6. Okay, 6 and 7. Years later, when Xerxes began his reign... Okay, stop there. That didn't get very far. <laughs> no, you didn't. I, I wasn't sure how far it was to come to Xerxes. Okay. All right, so the one that we were reading in verse 5 was Darius. And now we've moved on to Xerxes. Yeah, we, we kind of skipped him. Okay, but there's Xerxes comes after Darius. Mm-hmm. Yep. Xerxes is also known as Ahasuerus in the Bible. Oh, yes, yep, yep. Which, was a, which is a biblical spelling for a Persian name... Um, that is often written as Astyages. Mm-hmm. So this has sort of been passed down. It's actually a median name that has come down through the family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so now we come to Ahasuerus. Now, this is the guy, is the guy who went against Greece. Okay. So if you read about all of the Greek, per- Greek and Persian wars, this is the guy who's going to go to Greece. He's going to raise possibly the largest army 
that the world has ever seen. He's going to go to Greece. He's going to get, go up against the Athenians and the Spartans, um, and he's going to get smashed Isn't this by also the guy? much smaller armies. Isn't this also the guy who married Esther? This is the guy who married Esther. So he comes back and he's licking his wounds and decides to have a big celebration for, what was 120 days or something or other? And his wife refuses to come into the celebration, and so he looks for a new wife, and so Esther comes on the scene. Anyway, we're going to, uh, this is going to be Randy Travis with How Great Thou Art. Oh Lord, my God, when I'm in awesome wonder, Consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout the universe displayed Then sings my soul, my Savior God to My soul, my Savior God, to Thou art. 
You're listening to Randy Travis with How Great Thou Art here on Faith FM. Just as my wife tries to beat me up here this morning. Oh. She hit my sore hand. Whacked you on the sore hand, didn't so she? Get back on air. Quick. Whack. <laughs> That's what happens when, you're, uh, when your wife is the producer. And your arm is injured. In, uh, yes, indeed, point. indeed. Okay. <laughs> anyway, back to our Bible study. Um, Quick dip ooh, by our yes. Bible quiz, Lyle. Yes, uh, yes, who yes. am I? Clue number four. Rachel and Leah are my daughters. Mm. All right. Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM if you know who that is. Second prize going for today. Back to uh, the book of Ezra and back to the uh, genealogies of the various uh, Persian kings. Uh, Mon, would you like to read for us that verse that I got you to read there a minute ago? What was it, verse 5? 6. Verse 6. Ezra chapter 4, verse 6. Years later, when Xerxes began his reign, the enemies of Judah wrote a letter of accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And verse 7. Even later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, the enemies of Judah, led by Bishlam, Mithridath, and Tabel, sent a letter to Artaxerxes in the Aramaic language, and it was translated for the king. Okay, so there's a lot of opposition to the rebuilding of the temple and the return of the exiled Jews. Yeah, they are not happy about this. We're going to look at some of the reasons why and how it has played out into modern history uh, right now in just a moment. However, um, you will notice that in verse 7, the Bible says, this, this takes the story all the way down to the time of Artaxerxes. And so we've worked our way through Cyrus, We've skipped over um, Cambyses II. He's not mentioned because he dies abroad. We've uh, mentioned Smyrtus. He's not mentioned in the Bible because he was an imposter. So we've gone really from Cyrus the Great to Darius the Great. And these were the the two big kings of Persia that really just made it into a world-class empire. Then you've got Xerxes, who is going to uh, continue on in the tradition of his... Uh, ancestors and he's going to expand the empire by taking Greece of course that goes very very badly for him Um, his navy is destroyed his army is cut up and uh, he is not able to take Greece Um, a a bunch of small city states basically take him on Uh, but he is the one who marries Esther and now we move on to Artaxerxes Artaxerxes of course um, sort of stabilizes the empire for a while and he's really in many ways is one of the last great kings of um, of the Persian Empire, and if you go to if you go to uh, if you go to Iran today, you can visit the tombs of and they're genuine sites wow. of these kings. You can visit, you know, it's um, so cool. Yeah, um, continuing of course on from Artaxerxes, and the Bible doesn't talk about these because what it goes on to, you know, because it it sort of finishes here during the reign during the period of Ezra and Nehemiah. But if you were to continue on through history, you find that Artaxerxes, who is mentioned here, is followed by Xerxes II, who is followed by Sogdianus, Sogdianus, who is followed by Darius II, then Artaxerxes II, then Artaxerxes III, then Artaxerxes IV, Darius III, Artaxerxes V, who is conquered by Alexander the Great. Takes you down to the Greek Empire. Wow. Yes. They like the name Darius, huh? They like Dar- Darius, they like Xerxes and Artaxerxes. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of like their... Uh, mainstays. Their mainstays of names for the royal family. That looks like the Cambyses name pretty much uh, died out, which is kind of sad. It's kind of a cool name. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should bring that one back sometime. 
uh, when you have kids, Mon? Cambyses, there you go. <laughs> sure, Lyle. Maybe it's a middle name. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> you said it here Delete on air. this podcast. <laughs> Shall produce it. <laughs> uh, dear. Okay, uh, let me see. Where were we up to? Okay, so we, that's, that's a quick run through of the Persian kings. Now let's work our way back through these verses and find out. Let's go back to verse 1 and find out the circumstances that were actually taking place here um, and consider for a moment why there was opposition to the exiles returning. Uh, so it says the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were, were rebuilding the temple and they actually approached the leaders and said, let us build with you for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Ershadon of Assyria brought us here. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Cover us some history of what took place. Well, at first, when, I mean, when you first read it, you're like, "Oh, that's mean! They didn't let them help build." Yeah, and there's 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 kind of some reasons for that, and you know, it may not have been the greatest diplomatic move at this particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's cover some history. Israel gets taken captive, so not Judah. We're talking about the northern nation of Israel by the Assyrians. Mm-hmm. The Assyrians take them captive. They go off into captivity and kind of disappear to the north, and the Assyrians repopulate the nation of Israel with other nations. Those other nations, when they arrive in the land of Israel, are like, well, you know, um, we need to serve the gods of this land because our gods don't live here. Um, Our gods live back where we came from. And so they pick up on the worship of Yahweh. So they begin to worship Yahweh. They sacrifice to Yahweh uh, in much the same way as the Israelites did. In other words, they were ranked pagans. Uh, the Israelite nation worshipped Yahweh in the form of a golden calf. Mm-hmm. And so they're worshippers of Yahweh. And then, of course, the southern nation of Judah gets taken captive by the Babylonians. As a result, you've got these northern people who are not Israelites, who have moved into the area. They now move into the southern nation of Judah. So they're Gentiles, but they're not 100% Gentiles either because when these places were depopulated, the Bible says the poorest of the poorest of the poor peasants were allowed to remain. And so you have some Israelite and some Jewish people who remain in the land during the captivity as peasants, and they intermarry with the Gentiles who have arrived under the Assyrians. And so they become a mixed race. So they do have Israelite blood in them. And they do worship Yahweh, but they are a mixed race and they are basically rank pagans. Do you follow so far? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's, that's who they are. Um, do you want to know who, what, they, who, what they were called in the time of Jesus? Yes. They were called Samaritans. Oh, okay. right. This was the mixed race. Uh-huh. And of course, they had their own worship site and their own temple site. Mm-hmm. And guess what they're called today? Palestinians. Oh, okay. (laughs) So that's where your Palestinians come from. And some Palestinians still call themselves Samaritans, still follow the Samaritan worship, which is worship of Yahweh, but in a pagan form. Gotcha. Okay. So you go to, you know, Nablus and places like that, and you find, uh, you know, Samaritans up there, and and they're worshipping Yahweh. So that's kind of where it all fits in. Mm -hmm. And so you have a conflict that arises here between the Israelis and the Palestinians. (laughs) 
And that is about two and a half thousand yeah, years ago. As old as the hills, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and they are still fighting today. It's interesting that, of course, the Palestinians um, were much quicker to accept Christianity mm-hmm. than the than the Jews and the Israel, Israelis were, you know, back in the day. And this was partly because of the way that Jesus really, really did reach out to um, the Samaritans and the Palestinians and so forth, and and uh, you know these these mixed race um, as they were seen people that um, existed at this time. However, uh, when the Jews come back to build their temple, they're like, "Well, no, you guys have um, okay. You 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 claim to worship Yahweh, but your worship practices are actually pagan, mm. and so we can't we can't mix that with the building of." This particular temple, because like, yeah, well, we worship this God. We'll, we'll help you build the temple. He's like, nah, we can't go there. That creates friction, and you can understand why they said no. Um, but at the same time, you can see the friction that it creates. And yeah, two and a half thousand years later, and that friction continues. Bible history is always interesting, particularly when it explains the present. We're going to listen to Tammy Larson right now with "I Love to Tell the Story."
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And I'm sure, like me, at some time you have asked these questions. Does God exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love, and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled, Is God for Real? You can hear Peter Watts starting Saturday, October 19th. 7 p.m. Erin a room at Erin Affair. That is Saturday, October 19, 7 p.m. Erin a room at Erin Affair. Each new day. God gives you a choice to make Blessing or cursing Life or death It's in your hands The choice is yours to make So what will you choose today? Therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live Will you love the Lord your God And obey His voice For God is your life And the length of your days So what will you choose? Will you choose life? Life or death, blessing or cursing, the choice is in your hands. How will you choose to live? And so this day, I have a choice to make. Blessing or cursing, life or death, how will I live? The choice is mine to make, I choose Jesus Christ and His way. And so I choose life, that me and my descendants may Choose life 
That you and your descendants may live Will you love the Lord your God and obey His voice? For God is your life And the length of your days So what will you choose? Will you choose life today? Welcome back, guys. That was Carly Fletcher with uh, Choose Life here on Faith FM. Mon, what have we got for our... One last quiz, Quilu. Last chance. Who am I? My name begins with an L and Jacob worked for me for 20 years. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer. And also, if you would uh, like to send us a message uh, of encouragement uh, in relationship to The Breakfast Show, of course, uh, The Breakfast Show is going to be closing down on the 11th of October. And uh, we're deeply disappointed about that. We uh, are looking for, to try and find a way forward. Um, but right now, The Breakfast Show is unviable for a number of different reasons. And so, uh, yeah, if you, can, if you can send a message of support through, we will pass that on for you. Moving on from there, question of the day. What have you got for us, Mon? Interesting question. An interesting question? I don't know what the question is. <laughs> Hand me the phone when people send their questions. Okay. If I can figure out how to turn this phone on. Yeah, that's a, that, that will take you a science degree. I'm just... Oh, thank you. I don't need one. I'll just figure it out. Uh, okay. Ching, 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 ching. It's okay, you're going to have to get the questions. producer to find the, the one correct one. the one about salvation? That's the one. That's okay, the one. That's yeah, the one yeah, that yeah, came through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This one's from uh, Darren, one of our keen questioners. Okay. Question of the day, Lyle. Yes. Salvation is by grace through faith. But if a believer has faith without genuine repentance, are they truly saved? Faith and repentance appear to be two sides of one salvationic coin. Does this mean repentance is also required for salvation? Yeah, this is a really good question because there's a whole bunch of things um, that you could uh, put in there. I like the illustration of the coin there. You know, if you look at uh, um, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were lost because of their deeds, correct? Right. So they were lost because of their works. No, mm. deeds works is the same thing. Yeah, they stuffed up, didn't they? They did. They were lost because of their works. Yeah. And so, if you can be lost because of your works, can you be saved by your works? Nope. No, because you can never do enough good works. You only have to do one bad work to be lost. Right. But you can never do enough good works to be saved. Mm-hmm. And so, there is a relationship here between the, these uh, these aspects of salvation. So, let's go to Ephesians and uh, chapter two. And verse 8, so we'll remind ourselves a very famous passage here where the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Let's stop there and break this down. The Bible says that grace, God's unmerited favor, that we receive through, through, through faith is what saves us. 
So it's a little bit like a gift. If I bring you to you a gift, Mon, you have the choice of accepting that gift or refusing that gift. Sure. And with the gift of salvation, the way, the means by which you receive that gift is by faith and by accepting Jesus into your life. What does that then do? And this is where we sometimes get confused over uh, the various roles that these um, different aspects play. When you have received the gift of grace, you experience repentance. That's the natural experience. You cannot receive grace without experiencing repentance. So repentance simply means being sorry for what I did. Mm -hmm. And so what repentance then becomes for the Christian in many ways is a symptom of the reception of grace. So you can't separate the two from each other. No. If you have grace, you also have the gift of repentance. If you don't have grace, you don't have repentance. It's really that simple. And so if you are somebody who does not have repentance in your life and you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, that does not mean that you are saved. That means that you have a mental assent to uh, having Jesus in your life and you've expressed faith in Jesus Christ, but if you are not allowing his um, grace to change your life so that you feel sorry for your sin, then that grace is meaningless. As it goes on to say here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The purpose that we are recreated by the process of grace is so that we can live good works. Our works and our repentance, therefore, are a symptom of our experience of grace. That is what grace gives to us. This is um, Matt and Josie Minicus. You listen to Faith FM. Diseased and dying so undone 
Nothing to offer, I'm a vagabond, just a prodigal, needing your love. You know I've tried to mend my own ways, tried to hide my filth in your disgrace. Lord, I'm so ashamed, yet I seek your face. I'm longing for. Make me a work of Your grace. I can make it and expose to the one who knows all I am. With every soul stain I chose, I'm wretched, ashamed, and broken. There are no facades. I'm done running from God. I'm tired of trying to heal myself, Lord, to cover my rags with the guise of wealth. Tired of trying to live like I'm alive. Truth is, I'm dying inside. Lord, revive me. I come naked and exposed to the one who knows all I am. Every soul stain I chose, I'm wretched, ashamed, and broken. There are no facades. I'm done running from God. I'm longing for home, so I will arise and go to Jesus. Welcome back, guys. That was Matt and Josie Minicus. We have come to the end of our show, and we are about to give away our freebie of the day. Make sure you give us a call right now. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. Limited number of free giveaways go before the breakfast show comes to an end. Yes. So, uh, First person to call through today will get a copy of Steps to Christ by E.G. Weiss. And leave, my, leave us a message of support while you can. This is one of my all-time favorite books. Um, it's a beautiful edition of it as well, Steps to Christ, E.G. White. Uh, on the back it says, Jesus wants to be your best friend and thousands have become acquainted through Jesus, uh, with Jesus through this little book, Steps to Christ. Uh, has helped many more, including those who have walked with him for years to know him better. Um, so this is a, this is a, it's just, it's just got 13 chapters. It's like a really short book. Uh, each of them is a different step into finding basically a forever friendship with Jesus. Uh, in this, you'll read about his love for you. You'll read about repentance and grace and faith and acceptance, growing like him, um, the privilege of prayer, what to do with doubt and how to spend your days rejoicing uh, in your best friend, that being Jesus. So give us a call. Um, this book will change your life. Uh, we'll just talk about repentance and grace, and this book will really help you to understand those. Uh, Steps to Christ by E.G. White. First person to call us right now, 1-800-FAITH-FM. We'll take that one home. It's also a really good little book if you are part of a small group. Yes. It's kind of like uh, 13, 14, I think it is, uh, little uh, just perfect small group Bible studies. Yeah. Uh, I've done a small group series out of this on several occasions, and it uh, it, it is really just uh, fantastic. Um, 
you know, discussion chapters, all that kind of thing. So. I actually reread this book every year, first two weeks of every year. You do a chapter a day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's one book I reread every year without fail. Anyway, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Also, the number to call if you would like to learn more about the Bible. Uh, and also, the number to call if you want some more details about tonight's program here at Raymond Terrace Missions, the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Raymond Terrace in, New- in the Newcastle area. Lyle, we preach you the Prophetic Code series along with Lawson, so come along to that. It's free, 6.30pm tonight. Come on. If not for his love 